Acts chapter 10 from verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you. O Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from the 28th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning to read at the first verse. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I expect, like many of you, um, I love the resurrection stories, the resurrection accounts. And from time to time, when a big story breaks in the newspapers, perhaps like you also, I tend to, to see how it's reported in different places, on different news channels or different newspapers, for instance, uh, some years ago, as an example, um, and I apologize if this is a slightly dull story for some of you, 
A friend of mine who was playing cricket for England got involved in what was called the dirt in the pocket incident. Some of you may recall it. I won't go into the details, but basically there was some dispute as to whether he was simply drying the ball with the dirt which was in his pocket, the dust, which is legal, or substantially altering its appearance and performance, making it swing about more, which is harder for the batsman to hit. That is not allowed. The journalists who were sympathetic to my friend tended to favour the first explanation that he just made a mistake, that it was not malicious. And those who either wanted to oust him as England captain or sensationalise the story in the red-top newspapers in particular tended to portray him as an out-and-out cheat. At times, when you looked at the different accounts, you might think you were reading about two completely different incidents. The so-called inconsistencies within the resurrection accounts are, are, I think, rather similar. I've been through them carefully uh, yesterday just to remind myself of how they all fit together. Those hostile to Christianity can conclude that the resurrection cannot possibly have happened because the accounts are slightly different And indeed, Mark's gospel, in its oldest manuscript, just reports the empty tomb and the testimony of the angel that Jesus will appear to the disciples in Galilee. Those of us more sympathetic to the story see the the inconsistencies as evidence of there being eyewitness accounts. It's interesting that no attempt is made by those who put the canon of Scripture together to synchronize the accounts. There are different experiences of the risen Lord reported to us. Those who defend the resurrection say that their variations increase the reliability of the story itself. I was at Lord's uh, on the day of the the dirt-in-the-pocket incident. From where I was sitting... Nothing untoward happened at all. Uh, I could see that, well, it just did appear to be no kind of incident at all. So I was amazed when I heard that there had been an enormous row about it. I actually heard about it as I drove home in my car on the radio. Had I reported the day, uh, I would have reported it exonerating my friend, Uh, leading England in a long day in the field against South Africa in extremely hot conditions and doing so rather well. I would have reported the day uh, without mentioning dirt in the pockets. But, of course, I was not in the changing room when my friend was accused of cheating by the umpire and angrily tossed a pair of cricket trousers at the umpire and said, "'See for yourself what's in my pocket.'" And it is alleged that the trousers that he threw at the umpire were not the ones that he was wearing on the pitch. (laughs) So the truth of an incident is not always uh, obvious. Depends where you're sitting. Depends what you experience. And I believe that the experience of meeting the risen Jesus must have been overwhelming. The constant refrain in Matthew, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, They are overwhelmed. And it must also have been a highly subjective experience. Jesus was not limited by time and space. In the half-light of dawn or when wearing what we would now call a hoodie, 
he was not instantly recognized always. Standing on the seashore, for instance, in John's gospel, there was a moment in the boat when they didn't know that it was Jesus until they heard him call out. Clearly, he revealed himself in different ways to different people. John recalls, for instance, the, uh, the incident with doubting Thomas, whereas Matthew makes uh, almost a passing reference to Jesus' encounter with the women before telling us what for him is crucial uh, about the Great Commission and the Ascension in the last paragraph of the Gospel. What, what does all this mean for us on, on Easter morning? Well, perhaps we should recognize that even today, the risen Jesus manifests himself to us in our experience in different ways. I remember being uh, in a church not a million miles away from here some years ago when the very enthusiastic young curate was preaching at the family service on Easter morning. And uh, he asked a question. He said, How do we know that Jesus is alive? How do we know that Jesus is alive? And his answer to the question said, you're walking down the street, he said, you walk down the street and you go around the corner and he pops up in front of you. And I have to say, that is not an experience that I've had, actually. You know, that, you know, but I, I don't doubt his integrity, perhaps that has happened for him, but it certainly has not happened for me, nor anybody that I've met. So Jesus manifests himself to people in different ways. We love to make people, we have a tendency to want people to pass through the same spiritual hoop, to have exactly the same theology, exactly the same theology, and speak about their relationship with God in exactly the same way. I was talking only yesterday with somebody, a vicar in London, and uh, I was saying to him how thrilled I was that the, uh, the new archbishop speaks so clearly about Jesus. And this person uh, wrote him off completely. He said, someone who's nearly right is worse than somebody who's completely wrong. <laughs> I thought that's very uncharitable and very unfair, but I have no doubt that this person has a true experience of the risen Jesus. But he speaks about it, and his experience of it was very different to mine. Maybe I'm just getting older, I don't know. But I'm no longer convinced that making people see things in exactly the same way is the right thing to do. People encounter the risen Jesus in different, in different ways. They report the experience in different ways. As much today, I think, as they did on that first uh, Easter morning and on the days that followed. Some will find this quiet, formal service where we come to share a meal with the risen Jesus, the most helpful place to meet him. For many people, the Eucharist is the center of their worshiping life. That is where they encounter Jesus. Others will want the razzmatazz and the excitement of a great Christian gathering like New Wine or uh, like Word Alive that is going on at the moment, which some of our church members are attending. Very encouraging to meet with thousands worshiping the risen Jesus. Many love that. Others will find that communing with Jesus uh, as I actually prefer to do in the quiet of a country walk, is the best way to meet him. We meet the risen Jesus. We encounter the risen Jesus in all sorts of ways, and we should respect each other's experience. The important thing is this. 
The important thing on Easter Day is this. Have you, have you met the risen Jesus? Has Christianity ceased to be a dry ritual or an academic book, but become a dynamic relationship, experienced in whichever way God helps you to experience that? But this is what Easter Day offers us, an encounter with the risen Christ. And I pray that we might all know him as our risen Lord and Savior and be encouraged today to walk with him right to the end of our lives. May you know the risen Jesus truly in your experience today. Amen.